Hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John, and welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive critical eye. That's right. And to avoid lazy negativity, we decided to make this episode somewhat of a drinking game. Somewhat. (laughs) So anytime we say anything negative about this film, about each other, you're going to hear this sound. Your mother's a whore, Trebek. (laughs) (laughs) That would be negative. So we would get buzzed and we would have to take a drink. (laughs) And we hope you drink along with us. By myself? By yourself. Mm. So, pour yourselves a glass. We're going to dial back the clock and realize just how much weird shit we invented in the 80s. Cheers. Yeah, fuck yeah, dude. Mm. Do you think when they were... I mean, this is... So it's obviously 1984. They have the whole montage at the beginning of this that we'll talk about in a second. We're talking about air people, of course. But do you think when they, when they said, oh, this story took place in the 80s, and you think of the whole resurgence, not just Stranger Things and not just all of the artists that have circled, do you think they were like, fuck yes, this is the perfect time, John, with the masters. This is audio we're pod- missing it. We're, no, we're not. It's over. Uh, you guys were listening. I missed it, dude. Anyway, yes. So, they, I'm listening to you. Goddamn. Fucking period piece set in the 80s. They were probably thrilled when they were like, oh my God, 19. This, I'm sure some awesome stuff happened in the 80s that were perfect for the movie. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's our, that's our setup. We're talking about air today. Can't wait. John, you, do we have any sponsors you want to shout out? Yeah, we got a couple. Dasein is the music man. He writes the music for all the music you hear on this episode. Every single episode, that's Dasein, T-A-S-E-I-N. You can find uh, links to their music in our show notes. You can also find their music on every single music platform. Go hit yeah. it up, download it, enjoy yourself. We also have a beer sponsor who still makes beer, and his name is Carlos Barroso. <laughs> Perhaps you've heard of him on this podcast. Yeah. You can find that guy making beer, all those beer-making shenanigans. Instagram handle is cbarroso.com. Beer link in the show notes. Follow him for some fun, fun beer stuff. That's it. Was your guys' theater packed for this movie? Oh yeah, I had, I had a good size theater. Yeah, for sure. It was uh, it was mostly full. I'd say like ninety yeah. percent. Yeah, same. We also had a. It was during the rainstorm. So during this Jason Bateman scene that comes up later in the movie, that's I don't know what it's it supposed to be tender. I guess it, this weird like leak started happening, and the whole movie theater. It was very strange. Oh, but your movie shit, theater did AMC. Yeah, but it was like in the corner. Also, Times Square. No, Dave, do you have anything to say about AMC Times Square this week? Give me a minute. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was it was Lincoln Square, and everybody was looking. And then when people started going over there, and you, I don't know, guys, it's when people in movie theaters, when you have like lone people like walking around in the movie theater, it's like nerve wracking nowadays. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, I'm checking. So we're like, Aurora? what is going yeah. on? Yeah, Post of course, yeah. But what is going? It was very, very strange. But then by the time we realized it was just a leak, everybody started applauding. If I didn't have a list, I would have tried to get a free movie ticket out of it. But anyway, moral of the story is this movie was packed. People are excited about this movie. Ben and Matt have started Artist Equity, which is meant to be like Blumhouse and give actors equity in the movies and let people share in the success of this. And, and, and more than, yeah, just all the department heads, basically, and a little bit of a waterfall trickle down to people below the department headline. I've heard them try to break down this business plan for a while, but basically anyone who doesn't understand, generally speaking, people above the line. So that is actors, director, writer, producer. Typically, they were the only ones who in traditional contracts and their writers would get some kind of post equity if the movie profited. So that's back-end stuff. And only some actors and only like a lot of times SAG SAG would let them have crumbs. But yeah. Yeah. It's not every actor. It's usually was just your big, your top, you know, people on the call sheet and everything. So now they have this new business plan that is it's kind of convoluted and hard to understand but the core principle behind it is that they want to give more of that money on the back end back to people who were in core department roles to help bring that uh you know help bring the production to light and there's what also if, something i don't quite understand about how with. they pay people in production but it's isn't it great yeah what a good what first, a good first, first movie because yeah. you know what's you know what's really funny I know we're going to we're going to actually talk about this movie spoiler free for a few minutes if you are new to our podcast. But we're obviously we're very excited to talk about this movie. So we're getting into it a little bit. When Viola Davis had she has a monologue. I was thinking they better have given her fucking points in this movie. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. Yeah, no, I think yeah, for the... anyone who hasn't listened to Ben Affleck's smart list, he talks about it a little bit more uh, in depth. But just been, the, they've, uh... been, they've been they've been on the trail for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a kind of a big venture, and um, it's it is interesting, and I think it's hopefully going to set a new precedent. And there's also something that's brand new that I think we should point out about the release of this movie. 
when Amazon bought the distribution rights, they also eventually, it wasn't a part of the original pitch apparently, but they eventually announced working with Skydance, Skydance Media that they were going to try to go for a much longer extended theatrical run before putting it on their streaming platform. Smart. And so there's there's a whole bunch of firsts that are happening with this film, yeah. which is really cool and exciting. So they're kind of using it as a guinea pig. Do you think that's because is the kind of movie... Isn't the Academy changing the rules as well for Best Picture? They are doing that. It is going to be extended, but yeah. this is way long. Their original window is much longer. The contracted <laughs> window like, is much longer. <laughs> yeah, no, they want to go for it. And the yeah. reason they want to go for it is because, and I think you guys just from what we were just already kind of chit-chatting about this, their marketing campaign is insane. So I'm not saying they weren't trying to have a great opening weekend, but I think they specced their opening weekend predictions for $16 million, um, because they're banking on a much lower percentage drop of attendance over the next like three to eight weeks because they are calling this movie like a word-of-mouth movie. Yeah. They want, we've seen posters for it. We've seen trailers. But I think this is the movie that's going to have people like talking about it. Go see this. True I, fucking story. Well, it's, it's I funny. was in a furniture store after this screening yesterday. This very old man went and saw this movie. He was sitting in front of me. So it was just one of those random things where I kept seeing this guy in public. He walked up to this dude wearing a Bulls jersey who had like headphones on like a young guy at this furniture store. was just waiting for his, like, his girlfriend or whatever to shop. And he like tapped the guy on the shoulder and I watched this entire encounter and he was like, excuse me, young man, have you seen the movie air? And I was, he was like, nah, he was like, it's a revelation. You're going to love it. You must go see wow. it. If you're a big Jordan fan, if you're a fan of the bulls, you must go see it. It's, it's just across the way at the movie theater. Like I literally watched what these guys were hoping would happen, happen. Yeah. So I'm very curious to see what they do. Cause this could change everything for how the streamers release movies into theaters, which is, kind of our whole mission with this podcast, right? Yep. Go see movies in the theaters. Mm. And so this is this is the first movie since Late Night in 2019 that's an Amazon exclusive, but it's going to be it's 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 exclusively in theaters, but it's an Amazon production. Um because it's that joint production. It's not exactly an Amazon production as John just laid out. It technically lost the box office to the Super Mario Brothers because it only made $20 million domestically, but this is an international film. And so it's doing well international. It has a very big budget, but it's going to make it back. I believe it's $90 million budget. I I imagine a lot of that goes to the talent. You know, in this, I don't yeah. know any set pieces that would have been particularly expensive. I mean, definitely so, not their fault. Super Mario Brothers went nuts this weekend, so... And they, um, Super but Mario even Brothers then, made like, like even then, in the in the wake of Super Mario Brothers going nuts, I was in a theater on a Saturday afternoon, and my theater was at least three quarters full. Exactly. And you just know that there are a lot of parents, because remember how this used to happen, you guys? Like we would look at our paper or whatever to go see a movie, and you know there were parents who took their children to see Super Mario, and they saw posters and signs for air when they were there, and they were like, "Let's come back next weekend and see that." Mm. I think the drop on this one's not going to be as big as a normal film. I think this will linger. I I think, and also it was Easter, so I was with my family, and and I was gushing. Sorry to give away the 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 game for me, but I told them I have a feeling they're going to go see it next weekend. I was wrong about Mario. Mario made 140 million dollars over five days in America, so that's going to do fine. But we're talking about air. Jesus fucking Christ! I'll be talking about Super (laughs) Mario Brothers on the Matt and Mark movie show tomorrow. Though we just recorded a Reefer Madness podcast on Life Is But a Song, a podcast dedicated to movie musicals and their love. Reefer Madness we talked about, and that is going to drop on 420. So go ahead and subscribe to them so you know what's coming out. I'm getting through the business because, honestly, guys, I kind of feel like we should skip the gripes and get right to this movie. I feel like we're already talking I, about I it. I would, except I can't. Well, you, Dave, let, let's let... AMC Times Square. I can't. AMC Times Square, but it's relevant <laughs> to this movie. So, Dave, for everybody, just to catch you up. Also, again, if you're new, we're going to talk about what we've seen and what you've been watching at the end. So please stick to the end to see what we've been watching. All right. Dave's going to have a gripe about AMC okay. Times Square, which he so keeps going like it, to. It doesn't count the, the title. So, yes, I went to AMC Times Square. Again. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm talking to exhibitors in general in, in uh-huh. this. You were warned to get your <laughs> shit together. Mm-hmm. Now, over the past, I want to say six weeks, around about Cocaine Bear, because I saw Cocaine Bear at AMC, and then I went and saw Cocaine Bear at Regal, and the the sound at Regal was so low, anytime anyone laughed, you couldn't hear the dialogue afterwards, and they weren't laughing loud. Yeah. And it, it's like, you've got to get it together. If you want people to come back to the movies, which these movies are now drawing them, if you want to come back more than once, 
you got to up your game because none of this crap happens in my living room, but a lot of the movies do. So mm. like people are going to go to AMC and they're going to get a projector not starting with a mouse pointer on the bloody screen, broken chairs. Sorry. Sorry. I walked, I walked into, yeah, my chair for this movie was broken yep. uh, and people were sitting next to me, so I couldn't move. But like, and then I, when I came in and sat down, the pre-show started final, like for this one, cause it was a little theater, but the bloody work lights have been left on. So mm. it's, I went over, but uh, like get it together. Like, it matters, right? Yeah, it yeah. Really, the experience matters, and you're ruining it. Did you fill out the customer? You're ruining it. Did you fill out the customer? Did you fill out the customer service thing that you sent us? That you, they oh, got an email yeah. that said, "How was just, your experience?" Yeah, just so any, everybody knows, I got an email from AMC going, "Hey, you came to AMC. Tell us about your experience. Tune in for how fucking funny that's going to get." Dude, I didn't even mention have, this to I you guys, notes. but when we saw, um, God, what movie were we doing a few weeks ago? It was a giant movie before John Wick. It was a big movie. And we all sat down um, and I mean, the Shazam. trailers started rolling. It was Shazam. Thank you. And the trailers started rolling and we were all like, the, the sound is out of sync. Oh, and, you know, yeah, I could tell I've, I've I was seen, in an yeah. industry crowd. We were like, and there were some sound people around me and we all started kind of chat. We were like, they just need to, we need, should we go tell them? Like, we, I, know what, I know what we need to do to fix this. Like, and eventually the people came in and they fixed it. But they had to start some of the trailers over. It took them a, like several minutes of like watching the Indiana Jones trailer like three times and trying to, to line it up, oh, which didn't make sense to me, first of all, for how DC yeah. piles are, are exported and exhibited. But yeah. it just reminded you that like we all paid a lot of money. I don't know how a mistake like that slips through the cracks. Yes, there are humans that are running these things. And we do want to forget that. These are humans and we respect them. But like that is the kind of thing like... We just can't give an inch to people who are cynical about the movie going experience right now. We need to one. make it perfect for them. It only yeah, takes you need one bad screening and that person will never and come back again. we're also talking to you, out, you fucking talking assholes who yeah. talk throughout the entire fucking movies. Yeah. We know you're there regardless. Yeah. So the theaters have to be perfect because those assholes are coming to watch movies whether we like it or not. The theater yeah. experience has to be perfect. This is for the assholes. <laughs> for all, for we'll, all the assholes. we'll drink we'll, on your behalf. Anyway. This movie's yeah, great. Like, seriously, just thank you, Dave. Come on, pick up your axe. We want it. We want people to go and also, see these films. I, w- I want to say this too because I know this is going to be on Amazon soon because people are going to think about this. But when a movie works, and and I'm gonna, I'm going to spoil. I I, had, I haven't asked you all what you thought of the movie. This is usually our initial takeaways. What do you think? What do you feel about the movie? But we're already into this. This is up my fucking alley. I mean sports and acting yeah. and entertainment I and I, I love ben and matt and then the whole <laughs> their whole story the ups and downs i love the whole this movie is exactly made for me this movie works and yes you can watch this at home but it's just better when you see it with other people it doesn't need a large format it doesn't need a john wick format or a shazam format it it but if you go to the movie theater and, and movie theaters are turning into theme parks, we all know that. That's why you we always go to IMAX or Dolby because we have the A-list. It's free for us. So we might as well see it in the best format. I saw something in 3D recently because why not? It, it was it's the same price. It's not like a family of four. If you go to 3D with popcorn, yeah. it costs $150. And there's like, you know, half your take home like expenditures of the week. This movie just it's just it's just fun to be in public and we all saw the last dance and if you haven't seen the last dance you at least knew that it happened during covid and it was a big moment the michael jordan documentary that espn did or that he had that he sold to espn this movie this movie could be the top gun for the snuck small movies because this this obviously is huge clout given the people involved in it yeah. and given the the nike of it and and there's a lot of this that's but very it's a small high character stress. piece yeah but it's yeah. A, it's a small little nothing if you take the the subject matter out intimate. of the movie let's say intimate not small <laughs> if you take the, small. if you take the subject matter out which might seem ridiculous because form follows function yada 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 but theoretically this movie is similar to a lot of other movies based on a true story some creative licenses mostly real characters conversations that happened in real life obviously star actors playing real life people that you may not know you know at the end of the movie there's going to be a little scroll that tells you the truth and some facts about these people that hopefully gives a reaction right you know these movies but when it works and you see it in a group you remember it you remember it for a long time it matters more and i just feel like that that's my initial takeaway i didn't mean to set this up this way but my (laughs) initial takeaway was thank god i saw this how did the movie make you feel I, I fucking love this movie. Next, who Dude, I, I couldn't agree more. I feel like there were. I heard 
audible, you know, it, uh, there are there are certain like really tangible things, like how many audible rea reactions do you hear around you, and how does that make you feel? I got I got the good, um, positive, like laughing certain songs. Oh yeah, some people are like, oh that's fucking great. I heard some some tears in some more tender moments, or people sniffling a little bit when they were that scene that you referenced with Jason. I thought that was a really well written scene. Um, I missed some of it, and I'm so sorry. I'm gonna see it again. I promise. You wouldn't peed during that part? No, this is when there was the leak in my theater and everybody was looking around oh, like, what's yeah. going on? We'll talk about that for sure. But <laughs> but kind of what I was going about with that word Bateman's of mouth thing. Bateman's emoting like, and it just drip, drip, but I'm drip. sorry, when that shit happens God, that and then I see, and when oh, I see an individual sucks. person see in a packed that. theater opening weekend, I was in Denver seeing The Dark Knight Rises at a different theater that Aurora weekend. Mm. So you don't, th every single time this thing, not to mention that now, but every time this happens, I, I have a lot of conflicting things going on. No, I'm thinking about it when I feel you. I'm always like, where yeah. am I going to dive? It, I'm it, gonna it, get out. it only has to happen once to make people nervous. Tennessee, fucking Tennessee. There's Absolutely. my grand, Tennessee, fucking Tennessee. But this is the- uh, Amen. So I, I'll give my feedback on this movie, I guess. I thought it was, um, this is exciting. I have a little inside baseball on this just because I am super lucky to know some of the people who worked on this movie. And this is kind of one of the first, this is the first venture that Skydance Sports is going out on. I couldn't believe and I saw whole, that at the top, by the way. It said it, it said Skydance Sports as a sponsor. I've never seen yes. a sports enterprise like this. And I'm glad that it was Skydance out of all the exactly. companies. So, so the crew over there, um, and I'm not going to pretend to understand it all, but the crew over there has purchased a very large amount of sports broadcasting i'm talking about live sporting events that aren't usually broadcast as widely to america or across europe I'm talking about soccer some other sports they're going to be doing that but in doing that they they also said to themselves how can we market this in a different way part of their idea was to make movies about sports so this is their very first venture of using a sports story that is very familiar and relatable that is well told with actors you've heard of to try to make it yeah so i just thought that this was really exciting that they were able to put something out that every fucking human being on planet Earth knows who Michael Jordan is, but it's not about Michael Jordan. But, you know, it's it's fun that this yeah. ended up being a, a subverted angle on kind of the the business of it. Yeah, we'll talk about that later because I like that. Yeah, just to call out in a very good way, um, Alex Convery, the screenwriter, had a cool uh, Indie Wire article that came out a few days ago. I don't know if you guys saw it, but it was kind of him just talking about He's had a bunch of scripts on the blacklist. This is the first one he's ever really gotten produced in a big way. And he was just kind of talking a little bit about that origin. But then also somebody asked him just a very pointed question. You know, how do you feel about sports movies? You're obviously a huge sports fan. He's around our, you know, uh, 30s age. So he grew up in Chicago watching the Bulls and stuff. And he just had this wonderful comment about how he said something along the lines of, I like sports movies, but there's always a part of really popular sports movies that might be a little too Disney-fied, like the emotional manipulation yes. of them. Yes. We all love Remember the Titans, but that kind of thing can be, can feel like sports movies have to feel like that. So he was interested in like, what if I write a sports movie that's not really about the sport right. and it's about facilitating the sport? And I think it ended up yielding a character piece. Mm. It really, we weren't waiting for them to get on the court we were waiting for them to to facilitate something that would end up being, you know, one of the largest cultural impacts in the history yeah. of man fucking kind. And it was really cool kind of getting behind the scenes. Um, I enjoyed this movie. I thought it was really successful in a lot of ways. And I'm not a huge sports fan. This is not for me necessarily. I'm like another human who knows Michael Jordan, but I was thinking about Jeff. I was thinking about my friends who are huge sports guys. I think I know they're going to like it. But I liked it too. Elizabeth did too. We really enjoyed it. So I feel like this is this isn't just for people who feel like they know all the ins and outs of of the Bulls in the '90s with Michael Jordan. So I thought it was great. Yeah. Death, nice. Jay, I, Jay. I will I will say I have two movies lifetime that are sports movies that I actually enjoyed. Raging Bull. Um, nope. Uh, Rocky. But just just to give you an idea of how this is going for not liking Raging Bull. <laughs> I didn't hit the gush. I didn't hit that. I, I didn't hit, hit that. The, I hit the gush. He hit it. Oh, okay. Tell sorry. Us, what are the other two though? I fucking, before you said no, it. No, up. no. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. But okay, uh, right, I, right. I fucking love this. I I have no idea. Had no idea what to expect. I just sat down. I let this wash over me. Everyone else in the audience had a great time with me. Um, I left the theater thoroughly entertained, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. just a little bit inspired as well. Like, yeah. And the mm. fact that I argued for this movie over doing Super Mario Brothers 
shows some personal growth for me as we well. Argued I, I for it because I because <laughs> I said I had to watch Super Mario's for a different podcast and. I thought you guys would be nice to me and let me not have to watch another movie. I, I knew I was going to see Air, though. I, yeah, but I knew I'm I was so going to see Air. I'm so glad I was a dick. Uh, this I, is not only this was not I, only I knew I was going to. I knew I was going to see Air. <laughs> I'll That's tell you, this is not only entertaining, but as someone who recently left full time employment to like chase their yeah. dreams, congratulations! It's, it's like reassuring yeah, and inspiring that sometimes the risk pay, like pays off. I could not have seen this at a better time. This movie spoke to me. So like this this was like this is probably yeah. my top favorite sports movie. Whoa. That I've ever seen. Fuck yeah, dude. Now. Um, followed by Major League and Invictus, all three of them true stories. Invictus was one oh, we, nice. we talked Invictus. about Invictus. Go through our feed, people. We talked about Invictus. We did talk yeah. about Invictus. Major League, and, we did I mean, just put Matt Damon in sports movies. He loves it. God, he's so good. Guys. God, I can't wait to talk about the work. <laughs> Guys. Major League is one of the best sports movies of all time. It really is. And do you know why? Well, why? Oh, wait, I forgot Beer Fest. Beer Fest is my other favorite. Four, four favorite sports movies. Major League is number because... Dodgeball. <laughs> oh, dodge, God, duck, five. dip, dive, and dodge. <laughs> Usually you pay extra sorry, for that, sorry, Cotton. Sorry, sorry, Dave. Sorry. And Bateman's in that. <laughs> yes, Dave. he is the best. Oh, my God. You're, you're not right, wrong, dude. Cotton. <laughs> That's two weeks in a row, I think, that I use that joke. Uh, that's why John's last literally the exact same. Um, Major League's the best oh movie because of the characters. The characters yeah. are also good yeah. and so specific and so ridiculous. Also, it's it's an underdog story, and that's what this is as well. It's it's an underdog story. I feel like a lot of people, like I think my theater was mostly packed because people were thinking they were getting a Michael Jordan movie. And it's it's not. It's about the stuff that happened around him and the creation of it and how it was managed. And yeah, that really works for this film. It works so well for this film. So I want to segue. Mm-hmm. This is not a spoiler because this is very well advertised. This is going to be a more open conversation than we usually have. So as far as Dave usually has a spoiler button for spoilers, I don't know when you're going to hit it, but I'm going to ask right away. Wasn't it such a good choice to not see Michael Jordan? Wasn't yeah, that the that's, best? Tr- that's wasn't not that the- a spoiler at all. Like, yeah, you you should know. Yeah, he's it. That, that falls into it. Yeah, you don't see his yeah, face. Yeah. Well, you hear yeah. his voice, and it's clearly it's clearly voice. actual Michael's voice that they maybe they made sound younger or something. But they have an actor, but you never see his face. Mm-hmm. Wasn't wasn't that I mean, was of a, course, that, that was an amazing choice. I was like, yeah. are they just not going to show him the whole way through? And they didn't. And I was like, this is brilliant. Like. Isn't it great? This is the best thing I've seen Ben Affleck direct. Oh, dude, that's wonderful. I think, Jeff, I know what you're talking about. And and I feel like the um, there's this idea of the, the facilitators. Like, this is a movie on its face. They do it in the production. It's, it's in the screenplay, as far as I understand. They obviously use it as a device. I, I, I keep reflecting on this movie as this is a movie about getting back to your principles. They keep showing those principles of Philip <laughs> yeah. Knight's uh, founding of Nike, and you know it's this wonderful picture on the wall. I don't know if that's true, but it was a wonderful set piece, and, and it was great. You the know way what? They this is one it. of those movies where you know it's true. Probably right. I think that this is also based on based on this is a lot of this information was taken away. From, um, uh, Alex Convery, the screenwriter, read the book by Sonny Vaccaro on this part of his life. Matt Damon plays and, Sonny Vaccaro in the movie. He was an, one of the early yeah, employees sorry. of Nike who helped build the basketball program and essentially bet it all on Michael Jordan. It's just one of those great examples, which is David, you were talking about with like inspiration. Again, in most sports, there's such a wonderful example of it, but we've seen like behind the scenes, like backstage movies. There are things that are more obvious where we see the performance uh, professions like sports, like uh, entertainment, where you see people, it's baked in to... It's yep. baked into the the sport or what they're doing to take risks and to try to push yourself really hard. This is totally framed from the business perspective. And I just loved that for the first half of the movie, or at least the first half, at least up through the midpoint, there's a cynicism almost about, and a kind of a, maybe not a cynicism, but the way that they perceive those principles that they keep coming back to. Sonny Vaccaro, Matt Damon's mm. character is like, but we're not living by them anymore. And the fact that he did take this huge risk well, to try yeah, to say, you know whole, what, it's all thing. This is the point. 
yeah, this is the point for us to take these kinds of risks. That's how companies like this became great anyway. And just to know, because we all know, just how you don't so, show Michael Jordan, we also, you know, they're playing on this fact that everyone knows what happened after they took this giant risk. <laughs> this, this, The whole point of this kind of business at this kind of level is not to play it safe all the time. Like you're not going to... I mean, You're not going to excite anyone or inspire anyone. The and thing what is, a perfect example of using like the number one basketball player to do that. He did not want to sign with them. That was hmm. fucking awesome. What a wonderful obstacle. Yeah. I mean, there's two things that fall into that. And it's like the it's it is a sports movie in the essence that sports is an element of it, but Nike is the underdog. Like they're the underdog team that yeah. has to win. Um, so they they use the same like sports analogy, but applied it to a company instead. And we all know how it, like everybody knows how it came out. Like you learned a couple of things that, that you didn't know during this movie, but everybody knows how the deal went down. Did he but, sign with but, Nike? But when they're waiting for that phone call, you're on the edge of your seat. Like, you what? know how it, mm -hmm. how it comes out, but you're still like on the edge of your fucking seat this waiting. Is, this is the hardest thing. To, this is the hardest that, thing to pull off. That is superior filmmaking. The hardest thing to pull mm -hmm. off in movies, I think, in sports movies specifically, when you know, when you know the outcome of the quote unquote, like when you know the quote unquote results, but the story is so compelling. In this case, I, the word that I was using was frustrating. I was frustrated that it wasn't easier. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I was frustrated. Like during this movie, I was sitting there and I was like, why can't this be easier? Why, why is this such an obstacle to get him to sign with Nike? He so clearly should be with them, right? Um, but also when you, when you, when you deal with these sports movies and you don't know, it's, I just lost my point. I lost it. What was I talking about? I, I let me let me throw a little shower principle at you. Let me distract you for a second. Did you guys watch Jeff? You definitely did the Lakers uh, series that we love so much. I was, was, was going to come back to that in a second. Yeah. So there's that one throwaway, and I couldn't remember. Maybe you'll remember. Is that Sonny Vaccaro or Philip Knight that okay. approaches so Magic? This this is something they don't mention in the movie. So. I didn't do my usual setup, but Ben Affleck directed this movie. So this is a Ben Affleck, Matt Damon co-pro. Some people are going into this thinking they wrote this. They did not write this the way that they wrote Good Will Hunting. Alex Convery, as John said, adapted the book by Sonny Vaccaro, who Matt Damon plays. They produced this movie and they decided to let the artists do their own. They, they, they spread the wealth a little bit and they built a team, essentially, almost like a franchise. So Ben Affleck directed this and he chose to play Phil Knight. Now in the in Winning Time, which is based on the book Showtime, based on the Showtime, Showtime Lakers of 1979, but, yeah. but because it was on HBO, which competed with Showtime. I'm going to talk slower because I know we're in a podcast. HBO show Winning times. Time is based on the show, is based on the book Showtime about the Showtime Lakers of 1979 plus when Jerry Buss bought the team. So you had Magic Johnson in the draft playing against Larry Bird of the Celtics. Yada, 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 yada. Phil Knight, this is true, in the 70s, he created Nike, I believe in 1971, as a running shoe company with Steve Prefontaine, if you know that story, in Ooh. Oregon. Steve Billy Prefontaine, Billy, well, if you like the Billy Crudup version, you could also get the Jared Leto version, but it's up to you. That's true. I, That's true. You also have Donald Sutherland, let's not forget. But anyway, I also like the Billy Crudup version better. But Phil Knight basically created the running shoe, and it all came on the premise of lighter is better, because if you're going to take... 20,000 steps, the lighter shoe will have less wear and tear. And so that's sort of like the premise. And then Nike became the best running and walking shoe of the time. My dad had Nikes in the 70s. Most college kids walked around in Nikes, according to my dad, who was a runner in the 70s, but they had no other sports, no baseball, no basketball, no soccer. All of these things came post-Jordan, which we will get to, because I really want to talk about that as a legacy of this movie, specifically this story. Phil Knight approached Magic Johnson, and they did not mention this in this movie, but he offered Magic Johnson a profit share and said, I will create a basketball department around you. I Trust me. And he, he wasn't ready yet. And in hindsight, we can say Phil Knight, who is played by Ben Affleck in this movie, was not ready to have the biggest athlete perhaps in the world say, okay, create a business around me out of the trunk of your car. So Magic Johnson passed. <laughs> if Magic Johnson said yes, Magic Johnson would have $5 billion worth of Nike wealth, even more than Michael Jordan, because Nike was smaller at the time. That's true. And that is mentioned in Winning Time. That's not in this movie. But honestly, it doesn't matter. I almost feel bad for mentioning it out loud. But this is where Nike was. Nike wasn't ready yet. 
this, that's the that's where we were at. Nike wasn't ready yet, but they knew they needed to make a move. And right. talking about should we turn on spoilers just in case? Yeah, let's turn on spoilers. Let's turn yeah. on spoilers. So spoilers just in case. I I mean it's it's hard to spoil anything in this movie, but yeah. <laughs> Y'all have heard the let's let me just pose this question to you guys. I'm reading that book that's written by um, the CEO of Pixar on just um, their company's history and everything. And I've read a few like entrepreneurial books uh, over the past couple of years now. And just talking about a lot of them keep referring over and over and over again to how important the culture and principles are on your business and how that should impact everything about how you hire and how everybody acts within it. And I guess I just wanted to ask you, like, just going off of what you were just talking about, is it, isn't it cool to see something presented that just shows you that Philip Knight as portrayed in this movie by Ben Affleck, directed by Ben Affleck, we, we thought that maybe there was a chance that he was not going to be ready to do what you said, even though maybe historically he had already had that idea. And I just loved it over and over and over again. There was somebody who was working for him who he allowed to have a cult, been a, a Philip Knight exactly. allowed to have a culture where somebody could push against maybe the norms or whatever the conforming that was happening over time because they were finding so much success with the running industry that allowed that to be subverted again to bring them back to a place of how do we get back to that same ideal that allowed us to take such risks that got us here in the first place without all the flash. Yeah. Do you guys did did you guys get well, that like every scene? I yes. feel like there was kind of an example of that. I mean, and they part came of the up to, they came up together. Right, yeah. They they like he he knew about selling shoes out of the the back of the van. Like he advised him not to go public. So those two like had a bond. And Matt Damon uh, yeah, that not to go public. That was Matt cool. Damon, you know, metaphorically worked out of his van. That's what, that's what Matt Damon's character was. We all know this. We all know people, or at least we know the anecdotes of people our age or younger that booked the big job. And then it's like their friends aren't necessarily behind. They just didn't get the big job. So they're well, behind financially. But this happens all the time. Like famously, um, U2, when they did the Zeropa tour and they had all the massive screens, they did this massive worldwide tour. And there's a, a famous anecdote about The Edge and Bono sitting in the, the dressing room. And they've looked at each other and just gone, how do we get back from here? They yeah. wanted to take it back yeah, to the, back, yeah. the simple stuff. And God, that's I, good. Yeah, that's I, feel, good. I feel like everybody goes through that when they get to that point. It's I like just read about this with radio. You, you lose yeah. something in the transition sometimes. Radio, yeah. Well, after the, after it was at the Benz, what was the, no, the first album was um, Pablo Honey. They were like, well, what do you do next? And they were like the opposite. <laughs> they were like, how do, you, <laughs> yeah. how do you respond to this? And they say, I hope we don't. <laughs> There's this scene in the movie, uh, we're in our spoiler section, where after Ben Affleck's character says, let's fucking do it, let's close the deal, let's go for it. And I mm. love the sense, I like. I do like how Ben played it, where he wasn't like nervous, but he kept saying a, a line similar to, fuck it, let's yeah. do it. Well, you could tell there was a little resistance, but he was like, I know this is the right thing to do, but I'm scared. Yeah, in the back of his mind, um, he's like, I have to answer the board for this. Board. And I'm glad they did that. I, so I, two, I seriously were, thought they fired him. At one point, and there, yeah. sure, and there it's, were two. A, there were two great moments around that uh, Cause anxious. Because I, I don't know this story. Scene. I don't know this story at all. I, yeah, I don't know yeah. it either. I love the scene before. I could have used a little bit more footage of it, but the, the, it, it, I still was really moved by it. Where you saw him, it was funny and moving. He's running. Matt Damon says, "How did you reach your conclusion? How, how did you decide to let me take a chance on this?" And he says, "I went for a run." Yeah. fucking asshole you know like i've tell that's what my whole company is like you can achieve all these things by by being in that mindset but then also when matt damon walks in towards the end and matt and ben affleck is on the couch doing his forgiveness mm -hmm. meditation, meditation yeah. rest thing and acknowledging fully that like i may have just made a huge mistake or i may have made a choice that is going to be so life-changing for our business and culture and me personally that we may have just destroyed our entire company and the way that this business is structured. Yeah. But I know we did something. Yeah. I know we did or something honestly, meaningful. He, That's fucking he communicated or, that very well in that scene. Or even yeah. just maybe he was successful, but now it's different. And that different is it even successful, but different isn't necessarily it's, what it you sounds mean. like the Amazon delivery guys having some yeah, trouble yeah. outside John's house. So I, you know what I hear? So there's so much to talk about with this movie, but 
we got it. Let's start with Matt and Ben. But if, if anybody out there is like, well, what about Viola Davis? We're going to get to Viola Davis. We're going to get oh, to all yeah. of the other yeah, things. I'm going to sure. come and swing in for Viola Davis. Promises, promises for sure on this mm. one. But let, let's start with them. And, and and if you believe that this the better story is Michael Jordan's mom, then we'll talk. Yeah, we're going to we're going to try to cover it all. But I love how meta this movie is. And, and it, that that isn't the most important thing in this movie. But I love how Ben Affleck underplayed Phil Knight. Exactly yeah. what you're saying, John. And you know what I understand? You know, what's really funny, too. And again, these are these sometimes when a movie just works, the unintended consequences work. So I think certain I would love to see the like this is going to be weird. But with the OJ, there were like 10 different OJ things that came out at the same time. You had the Ryan Murphy. You had the documentary. You had all these other different versions. I know that's a weird parallel to draw here. But in this case, I want I want a full episode in Wilmington, North Carolina. Not just three Ooh. minutes. I want a I want a 60 minute. You know, I want the whole thing. But Ben Affleck underplayed this so well. Yeah. That even though Matt Damon's character of Sonny Vaccaro, the author of the book, the the star of this film, he's the gambler. They sort of went away from that, but he's the gambler in this. Very obviously. I mean, they, they, they touched on it, and that was that was just to put it in that context, was good. I think. It was perfect. Yeah. We could have yeah. done more gambling. I'm glad we didn't. That was it. When Ben Affleck he sweats over whether or not to give Michael Jordan two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And then when he finally says, Okay, fine, give him the two fifty. Do the presentation, do it. He said, yes, okay. He'll only do it with the points. Okay, fine. And then all of a sudden, like that, he gave away a percentage that could be worth billions of dollars. That is something that a gambler understands really well, is when you're already pot committed, as it's known, it's like, fuck it, just just do whatever he, just fucking get it, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, he underplays it to the point where actually like the gambling addiction that Matt Damon has, I as the audience member related to that now with Ben Affleck's character. So all of these, th- like every single thing about this movie, this movie has like a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. And it's not because it's not because you watch this and it's Godfather part two. It's just because all of the things work and it, it, and it means something to everybody in a different way. It works. And you said it earlier, but I, I don't think we can overstate this enough. This is not a sprawling epic. No. It is a small character. Very contained. Like, there are just a, a handful of players in this, and it's really just talking scenes between them, talking about business and has, a little bit about life, but has, mostly just about life and bi- about about business and trying yeah. to reach an agreement and trying to to convince people to get something that you want from them and just the relationships. Uh, my a few of my favorite scenes in this movie are the phone calls between Matt Damon's character and Chris Messina as David Falk, oh, Jordan's yeah. uh, sports agent. Chris Messina, yeah. <laughs> those could have been so, those could have been so cliche. Yeah. And if it just the, the usual things that you would expect from an agent, they didn't avoid those cliches because cliches tend to exist for a reason, but they allowed them to turn into something that was a little bit more, Inside baseball, like a little mm. bit more like, how do these people actually talk to each other? And I don't know how much was lifted directly from Sonny Ficaro's book, of course, but some of the, my favorite, one of my favorite moments in this movie was the second big phone call after Matt Damon has gone to visit the, uh, the Jordan yeah. family in Wilmington. That was the biggest laugh Messina, in my theater. Was that the biggest laugh in your theater? Yeah. Was, I will eat your balls. I will eat your testicles. But one, it's the moment yeah. after that, actually, when Damon goes, I will fuck the eye. I don't know, man. We're, we're two middle-aged men. We're out of shape. What are we, what are we yelling about here for? We want the same thing. I just love how, boom, it got grounded back into some yeah. kind of yeah. reality for character relationship, but also the financial reality of what they were actually trying to achieve. Why are we screaming at each other? Like, I know I get it. I get it. Let's just try to get to what we both want an enormous amount of success for this player and hopefully for the companies. There was one guy in I my theater who was... got a little uncomfortable with the whole eating your balls discussion. <laughs> you mean, I will what fuck the eye hole of your skull? Like, oh, that line? Oh. No, he started, he started, oh, he started oh. vocally protesting. <laughs> I love Matt Damon. Uh, it's, it's not going to do it. They're not going to show it. Come on. I love Matt Damon laughing because for so in so long in movies, we, we needed to get people emotionally involved. So we would do anything. Look at every Robert De Niro movie is how do we get him angry? Right. It's like, how do we get him angry? That's why the yeah. King O'Connor might, might be his best role because he just, he, he's, it doesn't get angry. He yeah. he's, doesn't have, well, I mean, but, Matt Damon is the master at dropping those. It's like, and he's laughing because oh, he's oh, like, why on, are you yeah. yelling at me? This is yeah. good for both of we're us. If it works. Like we're just two middle-aged guys. When he, when he walks back in and Invictus into the, in the thing, it's like, I think he just asked us to win the world cup. They're both single. He just says it. Exactly. You guys, yeah, exactly. He's you the guys, master just, at understatement. Let's, let's just lean into it in general. Like you, you just said the word, but, he is a 
a master of his craft at yeah. this point. I mean, we probably we probably could have said that earlier on. He's he's only demonstrated great work throughout his entire an entire career. But my God, he is so comfortable now. It gave me mm. this role gave me the same vibes that I had. A different kind of person who I think is super talented. It gave me that same vibe that I had of Brad Pitt and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where it's just like yeah. that person is so fucking comfortable mm. in front of a movie camera that they know exactly what to do technically they know exactly who they are emotionally i don't even feel like i was watching acting every watch time he was on screen i feel day. like he was just alive dave was... <laughs> go see it you know what i yeah, thought you should see it, this dude. is gonna be crazy but fuck it while we're at it tom hanks was always known as the greatest thinking actor where you always knew his thoughts and he always whatever uh-huh. matt damon just makes the right choice yeah like i i don't even it's not like J.D. Well, Lewis becomes I mean, a character or or Jack Nicholson is so invested in the character that he transforms that way. Matt Damon just always makes the right choice and just makes the easiest choice for him. He be, it's easy. Like, he, he makes it seem easy. But also, they loaded the Does deck do. on this thing. You had Damon, fucking Jason Bateman. When does he ever suck? Like, I always, I always yeah. think about our Amazing. smart list when we talked about smart list with the... Um, yeah. Viola Davis. I did, did any when she was okay. We're gonna get to her now, but when she was on screen, did anyone else catch themselves like leaning forward, waiting for like whatever gold was about to come out? And I'm and she underplayed it in the in the most brilliant yeah way imaginable. And it, it made you like, what are you gonna say? Like, it, I, I'm glad that you said underplayed because so a lesser a actor so would have read this script. And they would have said, okay, because there were all these great lines about how yeah, Chris this is my uh, chance. Tucker's character, yeah. Matt Damon's character, they set it up as, oh, she's the boss. She makes the rules. Yeah, that could a have been totally actor, bombastic, but it wasn't. Absolutely. A yeah. lesser actor could have come in just swinging and chewing up the scenery and trying to make everybody feel like, oh, they're powerful. That- all of that came through her stillness and yeah. those fucking feet dug way into yes. the ground. The so, stillness so when Mr. was Jordan, all everything. Yeah. When Mr. Jordan has that wonderful, oh, here we go. You know, that line is in <laughs> yeah. the trailer. He wasn't really talking about, he wasn't really talking movie. about Matt Damon and Nike. He was talking about like, son, you are in for a ride. Yeah, you're about it. to have, you're about yeah. to meet my wife. And, and she did, she not once did she raise her voice. Not once did I feel like she was out of control. And there was such a, there was such a, a power and, there that seemed Understated. I don't know. Also, the understated also, is like when she's asking him questions and he's, he's like, I'm going to tell you how this meeting's going to go. I'm going to tell you how this meeting's going to go. And when she was in those meetings, it happened. And it was just that quiet acceptance. And of she course it happened. She didn't telegraph it. It's like, yeah, yeah and she was, I, she was I knew how this was going to go. Though, yeah. Wasn't she? yeah. But I it was loved that her quiet shots. acceptance. I loved how much they cut to her to create tension in the Nike meeting when she was looking at Michael, cause she could tell he may not be on board with this yeah. or something isn't working or I'm not sure if he's even after Matt Damon's one crazy speech, when I, you're yeah, supposed I to talk, think she's, I they want him over. They cut to well, her again. And she was like, I'm still not sure if he's there yet. Like I, I loved that, yeah. that they didn't let us think like she was like, I'm glad we came to this, but that's also just a dude, Viola. That gave me goosebumps. Well, like they telegraphed it. I knew it was coming sure. a mile away. But it's still, what a fucking speech. That was great. Okay, okay. So this is kind of a perfect example of what I was saying earlier. Like, there are moments in this movie that have, in lesser hands, they could have seemed cheesy. Yeah. But they did such a good job for, like, that moment specifically. Matt Damon saying, like, fuck, this, this the white classic rock band behind the music. Yeah, no, this, no. None of this is working in the video. Let's turn it off. Up close, tight shot. Let me deliver this really meaningful monologue. If, but the way they set that scene up was so pedestrian. There were no fireworks or anything. It was Where people did Pete in a business come from? meeting. Pete came yeah. at a, did he even and enter that, the room? He just like one, appears there. That yeah. one cutaway to Jason Bateman at the end as well. Where uh, he was just like, yeah, he gave it to him. No, but but for, he, for me, he used the, the line that he said. And yeah, yeah. Well, he was like, yeah, the it was just, shoe who, said, who wears and it. And it was yeah. just like, you stop my video, but all's forgiven. Like there was just this, there was so much goodness in that scene. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, Dave. I, I agree. I'm excited I about this about film, Viola, dude. Like, I haven't seen anything like this in a long time. And it, that makes because, me happy, yeah. and I love that Ben Affleck, who made a name for himself as a director with The Town, where he was like, "I want to be different. I want to tell a story that I know. It's it's a heist movie. It's not that special on in principle, but I'm setting it in Boston, and I'm going to tell it in a way that only somebody from Boston, with my point of view and my skill set and my leverage, can do." And it was, people saw that movie and went, holy shit, this person has a voice. 
that, that's yeah. what that movie was is oh my god ben affleck has a voice yeah and he knows how to use it with with his brain and his gut at the same time not just his bravado from anyway so the fact that he could do a commercial movie like this that anybody could have made this movie anybody could have made this movie but nobody would have made it as well no as they made this absolutely not we'll get, not to reference the smart list too much but you know they asked him directly about that and obviously jason bateman was in the movie too so but he said he made some comment matt, uh, ben affleck made some comment like yeah you know matt and i it actually started with the last duel um, but he was, they basically kind of had a realization at some point recently, probably not a midlife crisis, but their midlife, mm. what do we want to do for the rest of our lives? We can do whatever we also want. Also a reference in this movie. For, well, for anyone who crisis. skipped uh, our last duel episode, we love that too. Last duel. Shout yeah. out. We, we yeah. actually really liked they it. John to, wasn't there, but David, I loved it. I wasn't there, but apparently they said to each other, let's just make movies with our friends. Ugh. Let's just make movies with people we want to make movies with fun stories. Yeah. It doesn't have to be this, this other thing. Like, I bet we'll get to the other thing by doing this. And this is kind of exactly what they were hoping for. Let's just cast people we enjoy. Let's concentrate on a story that we think is fun. It doesn't have to be this sprawling American epic with the biggest budget in the world. And let's see what happens. Kind of like going back to their roots of the goodwill kind of aspect. And look what they've done. I think this movie is going to transcend... You said it great, dude. This might be like the smaller version of Top Gun, like for this year's summer. Like this might be the movie that everybody ends up seeing. I mean, just because it's good. And just say, and wait, it doesn't mean I haven't felt like this when I walked out of a theater since everything everywhere all at once. Wow, dude, that's fucking beautiful. I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna tell them you said that. I wanna. <laughs> yeah. They're they're so proud of it. They should the people be. who made this movie. Yeah. They're they're so proud of it, and I think I can tell like they're so giddy. This, this, can you believe this is that guy, the screenwriter's first movie? And then he just gets to be involved in this, and, and they know, get to sit there instead just, of saying, like, well, let's just buy the movie, and the, well, you can be on set. Sometimes fucking but... good at what you do. It happens. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Apparently it's ben great. Affleck would you know leave. what? I'm not going to spill too much tea here, but they're excited about what they can do with other movies like this in the sports genre, and I, they're working on some other things that are going to feel and be like this, like this kind it. of other perspective on sports movies mm. and just as somebody who I again look, is not a I real look forward to having sports six guy favorite i'm sports excited movies. to watch them yeah i'm excited to watch more of them because i maybe they'll sit about really my fist. milieu um <laughs> uh, all right let, let's talk, so let's talk about two of my favorite actors on the planet one of my favorite actors growing up truly like seriously like if i made a list of my favorite actors growing up chris tucker is very high on that list and they Dude. got him and here's here's the thing about this movie because you have chris tucker you have chris messina you have jay moore of course, we're gonna Viola Davis. We're dancing around it. Matthew Maher, who's that that guy actor, and he has a speech impediment in this, which is brilliant. Marlon Wayans, and again, I, the Wayans brothers. I, I watch the Wayans brothers all the time growing up. We're all we're all going to be forgotten. Yeah, brilliant. It's brilliant. Right. It's so funny. I tell you the, what, they, these are not these are not these are not shoe ins, and this is not just yeah. them catering to their friends. This is we believe in you. We can do this with us, us together. We can do this, and they cast these people, and they, and apparently they let Chris Tucker ad lib, rewrite, etc., and yeah. not in a not in also, a way that's like under like like taking our screenwriter and throwing him off to the side, but in yeah. a way that's like let's make this as real as possible. Let's make it work. What can uh, we do? I'll so tell you what. Seeing, seeing Chris, Chris Tucker, Tucker in this, it makes you wonder exactly how much coke he was on during the Fifth Element too. <laughs> Dave, get our buzz count up. We got to get some buzzes. It's always so moving when that, you see like I'm sorry, that dude the, that dude was stick thin in the fifth fifth element and like all now you see him he looks so oh, good. Come on, it's just, no, it's just getting but, older. Yeah, I know, but like he looks so good now as well. Like yeah. And also and also just that that, yeah, that it's always you, so moving when you see really comedic actors start taking on a little bit more I mean, a lot of the serious stuff, you know, a lot of the comedians are some of the best dramatic actors. So, yeah, because the best comedians are they're all in pain on the inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John, John, for dude, sure, sure. They're all in so who hurt you, Lionel? Daddy wasn't there. I thought Jeff. Unfortunately, you missed it. Sounds like, but I am going to give this up to the screenwriter and Mr. Jason Bateman. I knew it too. I knew, I knew, I knew it. I knew. I didn't see this moment coming. It's just such an interesting screenwriting device to try to call out the consequences of Matt Damon chasing this ideal, trying to get back to these 
we got to take risks. We got to do whatever it takes. Yeah. Just to kind of ground it in reality, to have Jason Bateman's character basically say, I believe in you. I'm happy we're doing this. But just so you know, people who do have more baggage, more accountability to the world around them, I'm risking more than you are. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I love you and I'm, I'm excited for what we're also, doing. But I must that say, my favorite line maybe in the whole movie is when he says, Spoken like a guy who doesn't have a seven-year-old on Sundays. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. I, I was, was I like, was done by that. Boom, line. That, line was, that, that line was awesome. Yes, dude. That, that one scene, such a good line. handed to any other actor, might have felt clunky. God, but he dude, nailed yeah. it. And just knowing that we all know it now, like yeah. the meta aspect, we all know that Jason is a brilliant director too. Now, like we, we now think of him that way. Just the way he was using the filmmaking too and all those long tracking dots like everything just seemed like we were watching we were watching a handful of people at the top of their game just playing inside a movie making world yeah it's like with a relatable subject yeah. it's just it's it's too, playing people who are taking watch. the it's ultimate great. fucking risk <laughs> dude yeah um Who's who is that that I hear the the whole police department? I think that's, that's me. That's, that's me this time. <laughs> okay. uh, Jeff will be joining us from the penitentiary next week. Uh, props, possibly the Rikers. I don't know what their internet's like. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you who have been following the trail, Ben and Matt contacted Michael Jordan and got a response. And Michael Jordan solidified a couple of things. One of the things he solidified was actually that he credits the basketball coach played by Marlon Wayans, George Raveling, who coached mm-hmm. Michael. They, they mentioned this in the movie. Um, was it the Olympic team? Was it his first Olympic team? Um, or was it? Well, great. I, I, um, I can't I, I remember. Had a, I, had I thought it was something below that. I didn't think it was the Olympic team. It was something else, but. I'm and sure. it credited him. And this is in the post credit scene as well with, with being um, an influence on this movie. So we only got the one scene. Um, we will say the Martin Luther King scene, it, it, this is one of those moments where if you're writing fiction, that would really make a lot of people uncomfortable because it was fact and because it was truthful, you had to trust the creators yeah. and the Martin Luther King Jr. speech thing that was all real. And even though it seemed, if you were to, if, if it was not real, you would think it was manufactured by a couple of white people to make this movie seem more important to a wider spot than the audience. This is true. And so this is one of those rare moments where it was like, oh, no, no, this is actually real. This is a real thing. And that's fabulous. But Michael Jordan, he said a couple other things, but he, he wasn't too you know specific on the details. But he said, I want Viola Davis to play my mom. And the fact yeah. that he got her and the fact Dude, that I want Viola Davis to play my mom. Yeah. I, that's you know the first thought I said. Yeah. That's the first thought that I said. But as Ben and Matt, you're sitting there, he goes, well, there's got to raise the budget a couple million dollars now. Yeah. <laughs> but. I don't know. Knowing I, now I, what we know. And yeah. we keep saying she underplayed it. And yet, but truly, that is that is a make or break role yeah, in she this didn't, movie. She didn't underplay that for a second. She played that exactly how it should have been played. Like, Fair enough. No, and you know, yeah. I, wanted, I wanted to say this earlier. She is incredible all the time. But sometimes she ends up being cast in roles that demand so much of an emotional transparency that she is just constantly like teary eyed and crying, which is, which is incredible. Yeah. It was just so f- cool seeing her not do that with this. Mm. Like that she was, that she didn't want to seem, she was totally clear. That percentage. Uh, I love that. I love the writing of that scene. I've had a lot of practice at this where he's like, you're good at this. We're here. We're sitting here talking about me and not about your son, that you're good at this. She said, I've had a lot of practice, but I just love that the, the actor was able to do something that I don't know. Like we just don't get to see her play a lot of. Everyone wants to cast her in the big screaming, emotional, crying role nowadays. I mean, doubt she had one scene that was not else. this. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm and gonna we remember should, this one. Well, and also, it, it you know, for people who have made movies and and you have made more important movies than me, when you when you go through hair and makeup and and you get up early and you get there and you do this whole thing and then your whole day, the entire day, is a phone call. And it's that negotiating where they're talking about the percentage, which which is, this is it. This is the, the Jordan brand is not based on whether or not he gets the shoe or gets Nike, but it's whether or not it's his. It's yeah. whether or not he is a part of it. Not just, not even just the partner, but when you say Air Jordan, you really mean this is Michael Jordan's shoe. It's his shoe line. He's not just creating it. He own, he, he is a owner of it. It is his. And your your job is to negotiate that over the phone. How do you not? 
how how do you have the professionalism to do what she did in that scene? Because it's a long phone call. Yeah, it's a long. It's a great scene. It's a yeah. two minute phone call. That's a Jeff, long did you, phone did call. Did you? Did you? Uh, it, I'm also talking about the acting work, but I didn't know that. Did you know that about the history of of shoes and athletes and stuff? That this was the first time that it happened. No, I didn't know this was the first time that happened, but I did know that they did offer it to Magic Johnson. That is true because they okay. were they were desperate to get him to not sign with Converse, who was about to blow up. And because Magic went to Converse for the next five or ten years, because they already had Dr. J, they had the they had the um, the the ABA. They, they they had basically a lock on NBA. But once they got the Olympics, they it was. Converse was impossible to stop, but it was on its way out because people were getting injured. So that was something they talked about a little bit with the Adidas is that the Converse was famously just like a hard rubble, rubber sole and people were getting hurt. So mm. that was like Adidas's pitch is like, well, we're actually a wider a better shoe. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, okay. So I'm glad you didn't know either. Cause I, I did. I certainly didn't know Dave. I, I assume you didn't know about that nah. either. I, so I liked that first, one of the first lines where she says, you know, it's just it was such a it's such an obvious thing. I, I'm sure you just made a mistake by omitting it from the original contract. Yeah, because it is like to people like me, I was like, I didn't fucking know. I just assumed people always got a little bit of a cut if you're. But then, of course, oh, it made I sense. Assumed, like, oh, this I is assume, the first time. No, I assume this has ever happened the where they were building a shoe around an athlete. No, I assume that, that was the first shoe, time. An athlete on a shoe roster. I assume that was. So the I, first th- time. I thought yeah. that was cool. It was a fun. It was a I mean, fun. To be honest, in your um, lifetime, they had emotional way. What? In your lifetime, that has been the case. Exactly. I, mean, I assume, did, I assume yeah. they didn't because, and they did a good job with this. None of the other athletes had their own shoe. They, That's what I'm they, saying. They were I just, was, I, yeah. It was so obvious that you can't pitch the idea of him having his entire, you're building it around him and not yeah. also. Like I knew Julius Irving. Didn't, that. I knew Julius Irving, Dr. J, didn't get a cut of Converse's sales. Like I knew that mm. for sure. I didn't know whether or not and Michael Jordan was a, the first, but I assumed he was the I, I thought he was the first. Yeah. Yeah. Being a child of the late eighties and nineties, it's just funny to imagine a world that wasn't like that. Cause you were always at like, are those Grant Hills or those LeBrons or those MJs? Like what I just it's, it changed everything um with that whole sneaker game. And uh that first shoe, yo, let's give it up, dude. I know that I am not a sneakerhead. I don't really, you know, I don't really care about <laughs> yeah. that stuff. But I love that they gave you got to write that scene for the shoe designer to be like, do you guys how often do you guys think about basketball shoes? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like All that time. I'm, I'm, glad, <laughs> I'm glad they gave it to him because, of course, you want to believe that somebody cares that much about this shoe design. If, if they're going to help be a part of this thing, that's first shoe is sick, dude. And I did not know that fact about fuck it. We'll pay the fines. I didn't Let's know that either, an yeah. entire mindset you guys do the math? around individualism with these athletes and branding very effective do you guys do the math for how many games would, i don't a, even know how many games are in a season dude 80, how many games are in a season? 82 times five thousand is 400 and 400 and, yeah wow and eight thousand which is almost twice as much as he was offered which of course is just a you know, yeah, yeah. We know that. We know that now. Got again. But how about this? Yeah. Do you know what worked surprisingly well for me? And this is just the true story. This is just like one of those Mark Twain, one of the best quotes of all time. Truth is always stranger than fiction. Fiction has to make sense. Right. The fact that Pete, Pete, Pete having a speech impediment. This is one of those things where I just, it's it's Pete, right? He. The fact that, and it turns out Michael Jordan, of course, loves this person, played golf with him later in his life, but it's like the work is the most important thing from the most competitive mm-hmm. person of all time. So the fact that he has a speech impediment makes it's more endearing. I'm sorry. It just is. The fact that it's like, I will do whatever it takes to make this shoe to you. The, the way you, you don't have to pepper it. You don't have to season it. You don't have to make it. You know what I mean? The fact that somebody with speech issues, let's say it, says that to Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan was like, I want this guy making my shoes. I think it's fucking great. I think it's really, really, I think yeah. it's a great legacy. It's also, I don't want to, I don't want to open this up too much, but Jeff, you're a big sports fan. Tell me if you thought about this at all. Who would Michael Jordan be if this hadn't happened? A whole company and corporation saying, we think you're going to change the world too. And we're going to change the entire industry that we from our perspective as well every single thing that happened because of this this deal changed all the rules everybody was thinking outside the box all the contracts were shifted all of the shoes changed after the fact and he 
was hoisted up because of it. I would imagine. I didn't watch the early '90s Bulls live. I didn't watch. It was um, ten years after he joined the league. He didn't win for nine years or something. Yeah, I know a lot of '80s. He wasn't really bringing. But I mean, I don't know. He did. He did. He did. He just. He was. He was. He was on his own basically. How many elements had to come together for for him to become who he was? All these speeches are so great in the movie about, I think your son's going to change the world. Viola thinks it. And that she says, and that, I can't remember the exact line, but basically she's like, what you think he's going to do, what I think he's going to do, what Michael knows he's going to do. Yeah. That's all wonderful talk. But man, there's no way it, it didn't have an effect that he was like, everybody thinks that as well. They're, they're putting all their chips on me. Yeah. I'm gonna, and I'm getting all that attention. I would imagine the cameras were pointed at his feet for some of those early games when they were like, he's wearing those shoes again, folks. Oh, that rule was going to change in a second. That was the dumbest fucking rule. Yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> what a dumb rule. Uh, any other performances or, or moments we want to call Christmas out? Christmas Cena did two days of film. I don't know, but he, he seemed like he did three days of filming. But as Michael Jordan's agent, spot on. Yeah. Just yeah. fucking awesome. All right. Is he a famous person, Jeff? Is he? Is that like a famous sports yes. agent? I'm, he surely he is. Yes. And I just yes. never heard of yes. him. Yes. Oh. Well, they David said at Falk. the end he ended up selling his company for seven fi- for six figures. Six figures. He was spotted seven, no. eating alone that seven figures. Nine, nine <laughs> figures. Hundred million dollars. Nine. Yeah. yeah. Nine figures. Hundred million. Yeah. The one counts. I don't know what his company was, but he was absorbed by one of the bigger companies, of course. Yes, he's a famous person. I enjoyed right. just for informational purposes mm-hmm. the postscript. Uh, wrap ups because I just didn't know. I enjoyed that as well. And yeah. So you know that was that was endearing as well. I, I liked that. There was nothing about and this I, movie to, that didn't suck. Like that sucked at all. Like the, everything was done absolutely perfectly. Really, really great. Right down to the clips of him in the credits. Everybody got up to leave and they all stopped. My yeah, whole same. theater I stopped. Did. Yeah. My I whole theater stopped di- standing and watched. I sat until in a different chair. I started yeah. leaving and then I was like, wait, I want to watch. The only thing that I wish they did in the, and this is again, if they had the TV series version of this, or we can do now on our own, which isn't part of the legacy of this movie is we don't have Derek Jeter or Tiger Woods. If this happens, that this is what they did. They said, we did this to Michael Jordan. We will do this to you. We don't have a baseball department. Derek Jeter, you are the future of baseball here. It will, we'll create a cleat. We'll create a shoe. Derek Jeter is a Nike athlete. Tiger Woods with golf. I just watched golf today. Because of the Masters. Shout out. John Rahm, congratulations. Brooks mm. Kepka's wearing Nike. Rory didn't make the cut. Rory McIlroy's the biggest golfer in the world right now. He's wearing Nike. Tiger Woods was Nike. He was the only Nike golf athlete. <laughs> and he, who are the first two billionaire athletes? Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods. Mm. They didn't show that in the trailer. But I have mm-hmm. worked... This is this is my last comment. I'll shut the fuck up. I got, I was like you know some catering side hustling jobs in New York when I was when I was still living there. And one of my favorite gigs that I would work sometimes was at the Nike Corp uh, in in New York City. And when you walk in on the wall to the left, I believe is like a hundred by hundred foot photo of Jordan <laughs> in the giant from the free throw line dunk contest. You walk through the door, and they, like, they oh. know. Yeah, no, they know they're like, this is our entire yeah. fucking company yeah. is built on what we did that with logo, this guy. Like, the fact that that, that the logo, that, that was dunk, awesome. The drawing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that dunk contest happened after they named the company Air Jordan. <laughs> Can you imagine <laughs> having that having that foresight? Yeah. <laughs> you called it Air Jordan Such after he dunked from or before he dunked from the foul line. Because of a cutout. They just and knew. Oh. Je- sorry, I just want sorry, sorry. I just want Je- Jeff, I want to ask you just one more time. Like Get me inside the head of somebody like Sonny Vaccaro, because I bet you have done this with sports and stuff. Ugh. I felt like a little bit of an outsider, and I needed help with the filmmaking to be brought in. When he was watching that clip of Jordan getting past it, the Carolina game yeah. and taking the shot, yeah, he saw something it. in there that I did not see. Is that how sports people look at athletes and sports? Like, Did you feel like that was super authentic oh, to people who are obsessed hundred, with watching sports? I have, I, have a, I have a friend that used to do this for baseball where he would have to watch and analyze like every pitch of a baseball game. Yes. But this this stuff, they didn't do this as much back then. It was all on VHS tape. But yes, you, you used to have to come up with reels and tapes and send to people. Mm. But yeah, because everything was very, um, was very strict back then. So the fact that Michael Jordan because I didn't catch it for a while. I was like, why do they keep showing this over and over again? The fact that he was a decoy 
was not something that was done back then. Even in football, you didn't have decoys really? back then because you just ran the ball. So the fact that he was just being casual and then stood back and was wide open as a decoy, everything was deli- you like you ran to your spot, you did this. Rarely did you just linger. Because that, that comes from like street ball. That comes from like playing um more more casual sports. But mm. the disciplined sport was always very particular. It was very meticulous. So yes, that that is probably entirely accurate. I, I imagine that scene was, okay. was very accurate. And he probably would have really... he probably would have referenced that at the pitch. I bet you at the pitch he would have said, I see you. That really pulled me in, dude. That made me yeah. think differently about how people look at sports when he broke because I still wasn't even totally sure until a disciplined he was breaking athlete it down run for Jason the, Bateman. A disciplined athlete would have been like fucking Pleasantville. You run to your spot and you wait. You never are casual like like he almost looked like he was dancing. Yeah, he was like, look mm. at how excited he is to get the ball back. Calm as a cucumber, change yeah. his life. For, like, this, I, this I, was in I the, would never have this seen was, that. This was in the short shorts, high socks, very disciplined. That's why the ABA in the NBA, the merger took years because the ABA was a little looser because they felt like an inferior brand, but they were like, we'll have higher talent, less discipline. And, right. and and mm. yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop Jeff there because this will be in our special uh, sports <laughs> podcast. We don't have a Patreon. We don't yet. fucking do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Fun stuff. Go see this movie. Enjoy yourselves. Yes, You're welcome. Do not miss this movie. <laughs> yeah. Go and see this movie. Yeah. Go enjoy. It'll be yourself. the best thing you do all week. <laughs> all right. Let's wrap it up, man. Jeff. I should hit that button. I can't wait to listen oh. back tomorrow and figure out what the point was i was trying to make earlier that i forgot about but it was right when my beer hit because we, we, so we recorded our episode but hopefully i covered it at some point um this is our part of the episode where we tell you what we've been watching in our segment what you've been watching give you our recommendations for the week we'd love to start with dave dave i'm i'm still pushing through uh mandalorian and picard um both worth a look if you're waiting it's almost over so uh maybe start watching them now so nobody panic cancels the fucking things um Ooh. and also i'm still doing the rewatch of all the marvel movies and this week i had the pleasure of rewatching thor 2 the dark your favorite World. movie i God, actually enjoyed so this <laughs> hey, i enjoyed yeah. it it's not as bad as i remember okay shut the fuck up <laughs> all right. that's for you yeah <laughs> it's happening this is one of my lowest buzz counts ever but yeah no i um yeah, I, I I really enjoyed it, and I'm I'm on to Winter Soldier now, which is the one I went and saw in the movies and hated, that everybody else loved. Uh, but I was in the wrong frame of mind when I was watching that. Yeah, that's a good so, one, yeah. man. Hmm. John, I watched um, for finally my my golf round on a thread with uh, Jeff and a couple other guys who are golf buddies, and I have resisted for for no real re- personal reason. I just haven't had time. Finally, got to sit down and watch a full swing, the Netflix uh, docu series on professional golfers. It was great. I enjoyed it a lot. And then um, I didn't mention it last week, but I did want to call it out. I watched, rewatched one of my favorite Darren Aronofsky movies, uh, The Fountain. Oh, um, very emotional, really we, we powerful. Watched that together I watched it with my girlfriend. Apartment. Yeah, uh, wonderful, wonderful stuff. Love it, Jeff. Well, I watched Super Mario Brothers. You got to listen to Matt and Mark. We all watched Reefer Madness. So you got to have to go ahead and listen to that when it comes out in a week That's and a half on four twenty. Um, I'm catching up on ted lasso and i'm liking it it's it's fun and cheesy but in a good really amazing brilliant way and episode four that is that, is that show right yeah. <laughs> I think that there are a couple of things i'm like yeah that's kind of cheesy and then i said this to my family i was like i don't really laugh out loud when i watch the show and within seconds i had laughed out loud like three times <laughs> and they kept saying like oh you don't laugh out loud it's so kudos to ted <laughs> happy but this is this is the season tis the season i'm caught up on mandalorian by the way and i'm gonna say this I've actually liked this episode, the past couple episodes. The, the last episode has gotten heat online of The Mandalorian, and I've liked it. I don't know it. why. It was a buddy cop movie. It was awesome. This is what I thought Mandalorian was. It was yeah. it was issue of the week, figure out who done it, and then Mando learns a little bit about himself moving yeah. forward. I thought that's what the whole thing was. Matt and Mark are going to complain about it tomorrow, so I can't wait to hear them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I feel like I saw something else, but maybe not. Ted Lasso. All right. All right. Thank you, film fans. Until next time.